Internet. I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, we're almost back to our regular release schedule. But until we get back to some semblance of normality, uh, we'll be reviewing the final entry in the Fox Fox um, X-Men franchise, Dark Phoenix, as well as Illumination's latest movie, the sequel to Secret Life of Pets, Secret Life of Pets 2. Let's get started. She'll kill us all. girl dies. She's still our friend. She's not Jean anymore. Are you threatening me? That's right. That would be a bad idea. So, I've never been the biggest fan of the X-Men through Fox. Uh, I think there's been some good entries. Logan is one of my favorite movies. Um, Deadpool is one of my favorite movies. But I think that overall, with the main series... First Class is still an amazing movie. But, like, those are the highlights. Whereas the first three X-Men movies were just kind of okay for me. Um, Wolverine is atrocious. Uh, the Wolverine is better, but not great. Uh, Days of Future Past is, I've already kind of forgotten it. I never really went back to revisit it. Apocalypse is garbage. And now we've got Dark Phoenix, which is kind of a fitting note to end on in that it's a hot mess. Um, the premise here is, once again, we're doing the Dark Phoenix storyline, only instead of it being a subplot like in, uh, The Last Stand, it's the main central story point. And that's better, but it's still, we only just met Jean Grey in the last movie for five seconds. And, uh, you know, essentially five seconds, ultimately. She had no bearing on the plot, and she only got, like, one scene where she used her powers. Like, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey did nothing in the last movie. And so now, all of a sudden, she's thrust into the spotlight. Honestly, I want to say because she was on Game of Thrones. Like, would anybody really care to do the Dark Phoenix storyline if it was if Game of Thrones wasn't just the hottest thing going on right now, especially with the final season going on? Like, would it would it, would they really have pushed for Dark Phoenix if it wasn't Sophie Turner and she didn't have that Game of Thrones connection? Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe they would. I don't know. But um, I will say she does. St- she when she's fi- actually given something to do, she's good. Like she's able to really kind of capture the nuance of a character like Jean Grey, who is burdened with this all of this power and has no idea how to handle it. And she's being kind of taken advantage of by this evil force. Um, it is from the comics. I don't. They never really say in the movie. I had to look it up. Uh, I think they're called the Vaku. Uh, but yeah, they don't have a name in the movie. They're just aliens. And... Um, the Phoenix Force kind of imbo- becomes a part of Jean Grey. And Sophie Turner, as that, does well. Um, the kid playing Cyclops, he's basically a loser. Like, it's like I don't think they've ever done a good interpretation of Cyclops. I think the movies have always had sucky Cyclopses. And I think the only series that I think really gave Cyclops any interesting motivation or characterization was like, X-Men Evolution, maybe? Uh, I haven't seen uh, Wolverine and the X-Men or the original 90s X-Men, so I don't know how Cyclops is treated in there, but 
Man, Cyclops is lame in the movies. He's just always lame. And here he's as, he's just as lame. Probably because, hey, we hate, this is the last one before. It's technically the 2000s movies, which is they didn't look anything like their counterparts in 2000. So it's eight years before the first X-Men takes place, which is supposed to be incongruent with. And no, they just didn't, it really didn't bother making McAvoy or Fassbender look like their counterparts. Also, suddenly, like, this this begs the question how Mystique is in that timeline when she, you know, spoiler alert, the trailer spoiled it anyway, she dies in this movie. So Mystique would have been as old as Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen were 20 years ago, except she died in the 90s. Also, she doesn't, she was like 20 in the 60s, which means she would have been in her 50s in this movie. And she's still being played by Jennifer Lawrence. Space is warped and time is bendable. (laughs) uh, That's the only thing I could say. Like, time has no meaning in this franchise. It just does not matter. Uh, Anyway, um, so yeah... Also, if this takes place, if this is supposed to lead, is this not supposed to lead to, what, what is the continuity of this franchise? Because now it, if it's supposed to tie into Days of Future Past, like it's supposed to be its own, is it its own timeline? Or the, is, it, is it separate from the 2000s X-Men? What is, what is happening with this universe? I, it has no idea what's going on, which is part of the reason I'm kind of glad that Feige is going to take over at some point, but still not happy about how it went down. You know, the ends do not justify the means in this case. But at any point, um, back to this hot mess of a movie, it doesn't, speaking of which, it doesn't feel like we're taking place in 1992. This is supposed to be in 1992. It's an alternate 1992 where Bill Clinton isn't president. I don't think that any of the actual presidents have been president. I think it's just this alternate universe where there's fictional presidents. But, nope. Was Nixon in Days of Future Past? I think Nixon was in Days of Future Past. And I think Kennedy was in First Class. But for some reason, but, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying they're wrong for excluding Clinton. I mean, dude's a bit of a douchebag. So, I mean, it's, I'm, I, you know, we don't need a Bill Clinton lookalike or anything like that. We don't need to have the Bill Clinton of the 90s as president for this. But, I don't know. Uh, at any point, uh, yeah, just... This doesn't feel like the 90s. It stopped feeling like a period piece. It doesn't... And and the storyline still feels rushed. It still feels like we're not getting the Dark Phoenix storyline that it hints at. It feels like we're still getting just tastes of it. And I feel... And I think... And I'm glad I'm not the only one saying it, but most of the people who have actually read the Dark Phoenix saga have continually said, you need like three movies in order to lead into this. And they didn't, they only had the one where they introduced Jean Grey and now it's the Dark Phoenix saga. So Fox obviously didn't know how to handle it. So once again, um, Feige, I'm sure is better at, at, at handling the material, but I feel like it's always has to come with a caveat of, I hate, that I hate the way it went about. I would have just preferred if Fox sold the rights and they Disney didn't just completely buy out Fox, but Murdoch was selling anyway. So it was either them or Comcast. So lesser two evils. Oh God. Oh God. This world is, uh, this world's a dumpster fire and it needs to end anyway. 
back to this movie, which is also a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, this, the, the Dark Phoenix story is completely rushed. Uh, although Sophie Turner does her best to try and give it some depth and nuance, Beast is completely written out of character. Magneto is kind of, you know, you know, lesser. I mean, he does get some kick-ass moments, and it's still Michael Fassbender, so he doesn't suck, but it feels underutilized. Uh, a hint at uh, Genosha. I think it's Genosha. Whatever the mutant homeworld is, like the the mutant, the secret mutant island where they get to keep to themselves. I think that's Genova, Genosha. One of those two, something like that. I don't, I don't really want to bother uh, looking it up at this point because I still don't care. At this point, I just do not care about the X Men. Fox has not made me care about the X Men by themselves at all in years. Um, yeah, the, the, once again, the spoiled death of Mystique has no impact, and the trailer spoiled that, so I don't feel bad. I don't feel necessarily to. Um, Put a spoiler warning here, just one, because I'm tired, and two, because the mo the trailer, the studio spoiled that for us. They already spoiled that twist. Also, we knew Jennifer Lawrence wanted out anyway, so, yeah, who cares at this point? Uh, I will say the action scenes are pretty decent, and James McAvoy is still good, because he's James McAvoy. But, once again, yeah, just, this movie has, is all sound and fury signifying nothing. And it's just, it's just a big fireworks display leading to the very end of this just hodgepodge hot mess of a time, of a franchise. And I'm more looking forward to them in the MCU, even though the cutthroat business dealings that went about it, I can't, you know, I'm always, always going to sour their entrance into the MCU, but it is what it is. So yeah, Dark Phoenix, not my no one popped kernel this week just because both entries are um I wouldn't I would yeah, it's not that I wouldn't recommend them. It's just I felt nothing for them. This is a very bleh kind of week. So take that for what it is. The first step of not being afraid. No, 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 no. This is it. Is acting like you're not afraid. Where are you going? So, are you scared? No. Are you scared? No. No, I'm not. Now you're talking. Buckle up, everyone! You want to join me? This is kind of my default pick of the week in that I would recommend you go see Secret Life of Pets over Dark Phoenix, but not by much. Like, it's it's like shades of difference between what enjoyment I got out of the of the of either. And I just got more enjoyment out of this one than Dark Phoenix, personally. Not that I got much enjoyment. I mean, the only enjoyment I got was because of the cast. Uh, so yeah, uh, Illumination continues their recycling of background characters and models in their franchises by um, doing another Secret Life of Pets. This time, um, Pat Oswalt replaces Louis C.K., and it's a very awkward transition. Um, Pat Oswalt is much more of my vocal range. He's much more up here, and he's kind of like this. And My name is Remy, and he's kind of up in his nose. 
Whereas Louis C.K. is kind of down here, still up in the nose, but he's kind of talks like this. He's got a lower, low, you know, he's he's got a lower register. Um, and to to hear the difference, it feels like um, Max already Max got neutered and his voice went up an octave between movies. Uh, that said, Pat Oswalt is still good. Like it takes him getting used to the difference in vocal quality, but. I mean, it's still Patton Oswalt. Like, he's not going to do a bad job. Um, now, the bad job comes from the screenwriters who basically cobbled together three planned episodes of a Secret Life of Pets TV series and called it a movie. That's basically what... Remember those um, direct-to-video movies from Disney that were just cobbled together uh, episodes from a TV show? Uh, Tarzan and Jane, which was actually a TV show that ran for at least a season, I remember. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Bell's Enchanted Cat, Bell's Enchanted, uh, what was it, Bell's Enchanted Kingdom or something like that, uh, and uh, Atlantis Milo's Return, where they're all just cobbled together, they were clearly three episodes of a TV show that were cobbled together by flimsy um, through lines, that's what this movie is, only it's played off like an actual movie and shown in theaters, because uh, you've got three plot lines going on you've got um the main one which is max uh kind of coming overcoming a neurosis the sort of neurotic behavior and this tick that he's got where he scra- always is scratching his ear and um get always nervous and it's him overcoming that through a very very poorly done sort of thing with uh harrison ford we're basically like it basically is harrison ford essentially telling Pat oswald to ma- be a man you know just just you know Hey, you're dep- you're suffering from clinical depression. Feel better, you know. Like this, especially that line that they show in the trailer where um, uh, Harrison Ford's character takes off the cone uh, from Max, who mainly has it to keep him from scratching, and it's ba- and it's basically there um, until he overcomes his neurotic behavior, and he just basically takes it off and says, "There, you're cured. Hallelujah." And I get it's a joke, but it's still, like, there's a lot of ableist humor in this movie. Like, oh, you're suffering from so you're suffering from anxiety. You just need to get over it. That's essentially what this movie is saying. Oh, you're suffering from anxiety? Get over it. You know? Be a man. Be a real man. Like, like Harrison Ford. It's, well, real dog, technically. But, yeah, it... It reeks of really ableist mentality. And the, the fact that we're seeing this in 2019 is just like, oh, oh, we're doing this. We're doing this, huh? Yeah. You know, don't seek help for your neuroses and talk to your talk to somebody about it and overcome, you know, work through your problems. No, you just got to just do it. You just got to get over yourself. Get truly, truly, you know, why, you know, truly wise nuggets there from... Harrison Ford dog. But yeah, he, um, that is intercut with Gidget, played by uh, Jen Kirkman, uh, who becomes queen of the cats in order to rescue a chew toy from, for Max. Not that that plotline actually goes anywhere, but that's the one where um, Chloe is teaching her how to be a cat. That's like 10 minutes of the movie. And then it just ends with everybody being cats. And 
it's kind of it just d- doesn't really amount to anything. And then the main thrust of the second half of the movie is Snowball Kevin Hart returning as a super who's big in superheroes now. Um, save teaming up with Tiffany Haddish who plays this little uh, lap dog. I forget what they're called. I think they're Shih Tzus. Maybe they're not, but there's some kind of little lap the little lap dogs. I think they're the Tibetan the little Tibetan little lion dog things. What are those called? Ah, it's not a Shih Tzu. Hold on. What's a sheet? What is a Shih Tzu? I only hear that in the context of, uh, it is a Shih Tzu. Okay, uh, she plays a Shih Tzu um, who recruits Snowball to save a tiger from a v- very clearly villain, villainous Russian circus ringmaster who somehow is still running a circus in 2019 in America, where he utilizes animals. See. Even Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey knew to take the animals out of the show before they completely shut down. But somehow the circus is still a thing in America. I think this is a problem where, like, a lot of the things come from a French mindset where maybe the circus is still a thing over in Europe. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe these people are just completely out of touch with reality. But at any point, um, yeah, there's this very clearly evil Russian... Uh, a ringleader who tries to have a white tiger do tricks and tortures him endlessly. And it's up to um, da- Tiffany Haddish's character Daisy and Snowball to save the day. Also, the Russian guard dogs are wolves. Like, established as wolves. He can't just have really menacing guard dogs. They have to be established to be literal wolves. Sure. Why not? I mean, who cares at this point? Uh... Yeah, not that he amounts to anything either, because he doesn't. He doesn't amount to anything. He bar- He's barely in the movie, and then he's just easily defeated by the end. So there were no stakes in this movie. <sighs> so yeah, um, these movies suck the least from Illumination, considering how bad the Despicable Me movies got, and how bad the Grinch was, and the Lorax. Uh, but the fact that it centers solely on Max and Snowball feels... A, like a real departure from the first movie, which was much more of a, an ensemble movie. And um, and once again, it feels like they re- there were three episodes of a reject of a TV show that was rejected, so they cobbled it together into a movie. And then just oh, and the only thing really working for it is be, is the comedians, and they're because hey, they're still funny. Hey, you get funny people to be in your cast, and sometimes they'll be, do something funny. What are the odds? So yeah, it sucks the least out of Illumination, but their best is still mediocre. So yeah, this is my begrudging pick of the week, just because there really wasn't anything better that that came out. So that does it for the reviews. After this, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how the burnout is real, because man, is the burnout real. Did you know Ash's name in Japan is Satoshi after Pokemon creator Satoshi Tajiri? Did you know Rurouni is a neologism created by the original author of the Rurouni Kenshin manga? Did you know Godzilla's Japanese name is a portmanteau of gorilla and whale? If you want to learn about these subjects and more, listen to Majide, a Westerner's view of Japanese media and culture, available only on the Gumby Cat Network.
There was a recent uh, Jenny Nicholson video, her most recent video as of this recording, about uh, Endgame. The second half of it was her um, making up for lost footage, and in it, she talks about how she felt obligated to do the video because of doing one on Infinity War and people, and uh, how those get the most views for her, ultimately, is when she talks about something that's popular, not something that she's interested in, and... I, it really spoke to me in that it you could feel Jenny kind of airing her grievances about burner burnout, uh, creator burnout. And that that is exactly what's going on here. That's why I missed a week. And then the next episode didn't come out till Friday. And a lot of it is... Well, number one, the big thing was I tried to do two retrospectives and it and com- those completely came out, you know, went down in flames. And I put too much work on myself and ended up making myself tired. Not to mention the fact that I've, I just haven't been getting much sleep. I've been, tr- I've been trying different things, taking different sleep aids. I've been using my CPAP, um... I've tried all these different things to try and help me get to sleep. And ultimately what helped me finally get to sleep was to, to turn on night shift mode on my iPad. And and if I'm going to do stuff before bed, to use this less bright mode. And that's helped a lot. But I'm still not getting up in time. I'm still only getting up by like noon or, sh- or, noon or so, which doesn't give me any time to edit or do stuff before I have to get ready for work. So by the time I get up, I have to start getting ready for work. I work eight hours. And then by the time I come home from work, I uh, I feel tired. And I don't want to do stuff. I don't want to work on anything because I'm too tired. So then I go to bed and then I don't wake up again until noon. And so the cycle continues. And it's just been this way for months now. And not to mention the fact that I'm working overtime in June. So I have to cram in the movie release, the the releases all on the friday otherwise i'd have to try and get up otherwise i'm not going to get up early enough on saturday and sunday to get them in in time so i'm i'm hopeful that uh my over you know i don't need to do too much overtime next month and that i can get my essential weekend back and not have just the one day off again but you know i'm i just am low energy and I have no idea if it's just because I'm not forcing myself to move more and it's just a matter of just pushing myself to move when I'm tired or if it's something chemical in my brain. Am I still suffering from depression enough that I'm not that I need to you know talk to a psychiatrist again and get you know maybe change my medication? I don't know what it is, but I do know that the biggest hurdle for me right now is the lack of audience participation and growth. The fact that I feel like I'm shouting into the void and there's no and there's nothing coming back. I'm not saying you owe me audience feedback, but knowing that the audience having more interactivity with an audience, even if it's just 3 people, Having that interactivity would me would show me that somebody's listening. 
And every time I share a new episode, every time I'm going out and seeing new movies, finding ways to try and grow this podcast into something viable is my end goal. I want this to be viable. But I feel like I'm plateauing and I'm not gaining any more listeners. And I don't know what else to do about that. I don't know where else to share it. I don't know what else I need to do to promote it. I feel like I'm stuck and this podcast is not getting any bigger and all it is is continuing to be a money trap for me. And I don't know what else to do about that. You know, I can't get you, the audience, to give me more feedback and be interactive with me. That, you know, I would like you to. I would like you to want to engage with me on social media. There, There are, thankfully, some people on social media who engage with me, but... You know, sending in the emails so I can talk about them during the pot, during the show or, you know, supporting me on Patreon, things like that. Things that other I see other creators able to do. And I'm wondering what I'm doing wrong to not get this, get some some kind of similar result. Am I too broad? Do I need to make this more niche? You know, what do I need to do to improve this podcast and to get more people to listen how do I make myself stand out? What do I need to do? And I don't know what more I can do. I'll probably pose this to other people um, in, the, in my podcasting groups, but part of the burnout is almost wanting to quit this. I feel like, I almost feel like it's not worth talking about new releases anymore just because nobody is paying attention to this podcast and I'm wondering if doing the new releases every week, if that isn't, if that's ultimately just a, just not a viable thing. Do I, cause I mean, when you look at it, I mean, I am very niche, not many, most movie podcasts talk about old movies. Not a lot of podcasts talk about the new releases. The only one I can think of besides me that does it is Double Toasted and they do it through video. So there aren't very many audio podcasts that I've seen cover all the new releases. Most of them cover a single movie at a time, and they have a, get they have the hosts and sometimes guests come in and talk about the singular movie. But the, I'm the only one I can think of like this. But do people just not know, or do people just ultimately not care? Is the problem? Is what what more do I need to do? Do I need to? Do we need to quit Popcorn Junkie and try something else? Maybe try the other show ideas I've been wanting to do where it is singular and it is just talking about one movie at a time. Would that be better? I don't know. All I know is I'm not doing something right. And I don't know what it is yet. So I'll work around. I'll talk to other creators and talk to other people. And I'll maybe it's just a matter of there's only so much I can do, and it's, then it's ma- it's the matter of finding that audience somewhere. Find the audience somewhere to check out my stuff, so that they so that that audience will catch on, and then have a place for us to congregate. I don't know. Maybe I'll turn the page into a group. I don't know, but not a lot of people are on Facebook. Start a Discord server, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what more I can do to build that audience and to build that community because that's ultimately what I need what needs to be done is to build that community 
because I know I want to do more creative stuff. I I was convinced by fellow Pokemon fans to do a PokeTube, Pokemon YouTube channel, become a PokeTuber. And it's mainly going to consist of Let's Plays. It's going to be a main series playthrough, Nuzlocks, and then I want to include funny skits and, uh, you know, discussions. So I want to turn that into a thing. But I can't do that until I have more time. And, or, or if nothing else, I need to be able to get up and do things, work on stuff. I, you know, I'm working, I want to, I'm working on another podcast idea that I want to do. There are two podcasts I want to do. One is talking about music. One is talking about, one is doing a D and D playthrough again. I want to try that. I've been, we already got the audio recorded. It's just a matter of me sitting down and editing. But I'm still just too tired. And I don't know what it is that I'm doing with my life. Just, you know, literally and just existentially. Because if you haven't noticed in the last couple of weeks, I've been very, you you know, a lot of my punches have been about how my life is in shambles and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And it's very you know, sort of existential dread and sort of, you know, sort of like snarky jabs at my own self. And I think I do that as a defense mechanism just because that is my mentality. It is the, and I'm sure it's a lot of people's mentality at this point in time. I mean, how many millennials like myself are going through similar things, similar like existential crises where they have no idea what they're what to do with their lives because everything is so screwed up and they have no idea what they even want to do. So um yeah, I think what it comes the big thing that it comes down to for me is I need to get more get sleep and when I wake up I need to get up and do stuff. I need to, if nothing else, get some exercise, get my body in motion, and work. Then work. Then wake up my brain so that I can work on stuff and dedicate at least half as much time as I do to work, four hours a day, into working on something, something podcast related, on that YouTube channel, or on some of the writing I've done. I've all that writing I've got sitting there untouched because I'm still too tired to do anything. So I just need to sit down, spend four hours a day at some point working on something. And I need to push myself to do that no matter how tired I am, no matter how unmotivated I am. I need to kick myself in the butt and push myself to work that or otherwise, otherwise it'll never get done. I think that's just what it comes down to is that I'm giving myself too much leeway. I need to push myself to finish things and work on things, even no matter how tired I end up being. That's, I don't think I want to call this a state of the podcast. This isn't really a state of the podcast because even though I am commenting on the state of the podcast, this is more just like me commenting on burnout the feeling of being burnt out. And I'm seeing it in several people. You know, I've so many of the, of my fellow creators are feeling similar issues in that they, the, the need to constantly deliver content 
burns you out creatively and it makes you tired. And especially if you're driving to, you know, to maintain an audience, any sort of screw up that let that mean that means you lose people means you're losing money. So there, the people that I'm following that have this problem have way bigger issues, um, mainly because they have the audience. Whereas my problem is just getting an audience in the first place. And I don't know what more I can do. And so like, even like today during work, I was having a point where I had no idea what I wanted to do about all of my stuff that I want to work on, but can't because I'm too tired from work, but work is the only thing that allows me to afford to do any of the things. And, but then the things that I do want to do, there is no audience and I'm not getting an audience. And what do I do? And it's just, an endless cycle of crises and anxiety and self-loathing. And I think what ultimately I need to do for the moment is calm down, breathe, and just talk it out. Because I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one suffering from this. And... I think talking about it with other creators who are suffering through the same thing and having like a group session sort of thing where it's just like we all commiserate about the burnout and overcoming and how to overcome it. I think that's ultimately what I need to do. I do like this podcast. I do like making it. I do like, I just wish, I wish that I didn't feel like I was always screaming into the void. I love talking about movies. I love coming up with these discussions. I love doing some of the research. I love going to see the movies. I love going to see these movies. Even if they aren't any good, I love going out to the theater. I love that most of my... I love that I've gone to the Cinemark so many times that I'm almost like a, 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 a usual... I'm like the norm at my local Cinemark. And I love that. I love to... I wish I could do that as my main thing. I wish that was my income. I wish that was my job. Because I could dedicate my life to that. But I don't know what more I can do. I don't know what more I need to do in order for that to be the case. So, just, I guess just working on it and working on some of the other projects Get those creative juices flowing. Being creative. Doing something aside from work. And then hopefully one of those things takes off and I can dedicate and I don't have to work a job that I don't that gets that stresses me out to the point where I almost where I've broken down multiple times because of the stress. And you know, I can the only reason I'm there is because there's benefits. Being able to get enough money through some creative project that I can afford my own benefits and afford my own things and not have to rely on a job that I don't, that I can't, that, that's, that probably is taking years off of my life just because of the stress and doing something that I actually enjoy for a living and having people to share that with. That's kind of the goal, but I may be too late too. That's the other thing. Am I too late? Because you think about it, the boom would have been 10 years ago. 
that's when I should have gotten in on this. That's when I should have started making podcasts. That's when I should have started making a YouTube channel. I should have done this 10 years ago. And I tried. I tried doing a YouTube thing in 2012. But I think even by then it may have been too late. I think so much. I think it's, I think, it, I mean, I don't know. Because that's the thing. New favorites are popping up all of the time. And how many people, like, like you compare this to, say, the music industry. How many people make it big off of something going big on SoundCloud? Like, they release a track on SoundCloud. They may have been doing it their whole lives. And then just this one track, somebody discovers and shares it with their friends. And all of a sudden, they're huge. Or they make all of these music videos for their songs. And this one goes viral. Now they're the biggest thing ever. I mean, think about one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Well, not biggest. One of the most beloved pop stars, I'll say. I'll say that because I don't know anybody that hates her. Is Carly Rae Jepsen. And you think about her almost a decade ago being made famous off of Justin Bieber's clout. Like tell, Justin Bieber telling his fans, check out this new song from my homegirl Carly Rae because they were both Canadian. Um, and it's a dopey little pop, bubblegum pop song. And next thing you know, she's making just some of the best pop music in the world. Doesn't have the doesn't have the the massive following of like a Justin Bieber or a Miley Cyrus or a Selena Gomez, but she has the core following that absolutely adores her. I mean, things like that, just instant fame. I don't know if I want. I don't think I want that. I I think I'm more interested in what some of my what some of the more famous podcasters have Bim bam specifically the McElroys, where they just put in all of the work and all and you know as time goes on more and more people check it out and they become big fans and then they just become so supportive that that's their day job because i think before the Bim bam and the podcast became their day job they were they they were just you know right making content for polygon and you know do, writing articles on video games and such that was their day job until this be- until the podcasting became their day job and i think at, in you know um, one of my favorite podcasts is now playing and arnie has an entire media conglomerate that he's running like i listen to now playing mainly but he Venganza Media, his whole thing runs like his big thing is probably the Star Wars and Marvel toys, where he talks about the toys and talks about Star Wars and stuff. That's his that's probably his biggest source of income are those. And then now playing is just, you know, the side hustle on top of that. But I know him through now playing. And you have to think how many years he had to devote to setting up this whole conglomeration and this whole company before it really you know went off and became his main source of income i feel like i should ask him that at some point i feel like i should just send him like an email or something like that and ask you know not to be you know not to be too nosy not to be anything like that but just i don't know maybe i'll ask him on twitter or something and just be like hey man um i don't know maybe i'll look into i'm sure he's talked about it before but just the hard the amount of work that he had to put in before it finally paid off and I'm still fairly new. This is my third year of podcasting. So who knows? 
This may never turn off. This may just be my little side project that I only do for myself because I like talking about movies. And then there's just like there's always the smattering of people who who actually listen to it. Is that so bad? I mean, there are people listening to it. So, I mean, it's not like I don't have people listening, but I just, I don't know. I feel like I'd have more motivation to do stuff if I felt that there was more of that interactivity. If there were more people talking to me, talking to me, interacting with me, saying things, you know, sending the emails in, do, you know, showing that they are listening to the show. You know, like, you know, I shout into the void and then I finally hear somebody shout back in response. I think even just having one or two or three people like that would make this whole endeavor feel worthwhile. So, yeah, that's kind of, you know, my this has been, you know, my little sit down in the podcaster's therapy chair (laughs) um i think we'll uh leave it at that and then uh move on to uh this uh weekend's box office report and now the popcorn junkie checks in with this week's box office report i'm recording this on monday night the 10th uh it has now become june 11th um the tuesday and, uh, you know, so the numbers are going to show Monday's numbers as well. But looking at the weekend box office uh, through Box Office Mojo, uh, if we take a look at the top seven, um, Detective Pikachu dropped out, Endgame dropped, finally dropped out. And now the top seven, uh, the number seven movie this past week was John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, which brought in $7.4 million dollars bringing its domestic gross now up to $138.6 million and its current worldwide gross uh, $252 million. So still wildly successful. Uh, Dropping down from four to six, we've got Ma, which brought in $7.8 million over the weekend. Its current gross is is, uh, $32.7 million and uh, after two weeks has $40 million uh, on a five million dollar budget, so Blumhouse strikes it strikes it rich again. Uh, dropping from three to five is Rocket Man, uh, which brought in thirteen point eight million dollars over the weekend. Its current domestic gross is fifty point three million, uh, so it's made back its budget that way, and then doubled that in the foreign markets with a total worldwide gross of one hundred and one million dollars. So, you know, it's 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 broken even at least. So now, uh, whatever they make after this is probably all money for them you know all profit dropping from one to four was godzilla king of the monsters which brought in 15.4 million over the weekend bringing its domestic and its domestic gross is currently at 78.5 million dollars and its worldwide gross thanks to the foreign markets is 294.5 million dollars so the foreign markets really um help break even help this movie break even uh, the big one is of course china brought in 69.9 million dollars uh other other big ones ha- are um, France brought in two million, Germany brought in a million, Japan brought in eight point four million, Mexico brought in four and a half million. But yeah, China is the big, big one here. But and the foreign markets mu- are have much more of an interest in this movie than America, especially it looks like Asia between Japan and China are the highest grossing for this movie. So yeah, 
I'm excited for the next one, uh, even though America is really not on board. Maybe they'll see the Kong one. Maybe they just aren't into Godzilla. Maybe the last one kind of didn't sell them on it, and the critical shellacking this got didn't kind of turn them away. Critics have no idea what they're talking about anyway. Uh, dropping around two to three was Aladdin, which brought in $24.6 million. Current domestic gross is 232.5. And it's uh, worldwide gross after what? How many weeks? Three. Uh, $607.6 million. So expect more live action remakes to come. Until people stop paying for it, it's never going to stop. Premiering at number two this week was Dark Phoenix which brought in $32.8 million over the weekend. It is currently at $32.8 million as of now. Uh, And worldwide, it has made $136.5 million in its opening weekend. I'm assuming that's that's enough to overcome its budget. Uh, Let's compare it. Does, uh... What was Apocalypse? $178 million for Apocalypse. I'm assuming it's probably $150 for, um... This one. So it just about enough to make back its budget opening weekend. Uh, but yeah, it's still not enough. They, these no, these X-Men movies are making just less and less money every time. So we'll see where it ends up on the final uh, weekend. And then premiering at number one is Secret Life of Pets 2, which brought in $46.6 million over the weekend. Uh, as of now, it has $47.5 million domestically. And worldwide made $96.5 million its opening weekend, breaking even easily with its $80 million budget. $80 million. That's actually fairly... Ex- that, I'm assuming that has to go to its cast. Because I'm assuming Kevin Hart is getting paid way more now for this one than the, than, than the last one. Because that's the thing. Secret Life of Pets... Uh, I mean, Illumination movies are usually like under $50 million to make. So I think the cast is what's driving the money between Kevin Hart Tiff, and now the addition of Tiffany Haddish and Harrison Ford and switching over from Louis C.K. to Patton Oswalt. Who knows how much that cost them? Probably not as much. Louis C.K. is a much bigger name, ultimately. But yeah, like $80 million for an Illumination, that's almost like Disney-level budget. So, but yeah, most animated movies actually cost two, uh, actually almost cost over $100 million to make because they actually pay people well. But that's just... My musings. Anyway, Illumination has more success because they do things on the cheap. So that was the week that was, and now that we're done with that, we take a look to the week ahead in Trailer Talk. Coming this summer. It's Trailer Talk. Rated R starts Friday. Uh, if you paid attention last week, uh, you will have noticed that I didn't talk about Late Night because it never showed up. Uh, we'll see if it shows up this weekend. It's supposed to. Uh, but we also got three new releases coming out. First up, on, on Big Temple Movie, another one of the big ones, uh, the latest spinoff and entry in the Men in Black franchise, Men in Black International. Let's take a look. We are a rumor. Recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. We are the best kept secret in the universe. I know. I want in. You erased my parents' memories, but you didn't get mine. Took me 20 years to find you. I'm very interested in this plot line. I found you, which makes me perfect for this job. 
Agent M. We may have a problem in London. They don't, they're advertising it as much, but I do think I see Frank the Pug in here. With Agent H. MIB, you Karelian scum. And FYI, your little club here sucks. Come on, the world's not gonna save itself. Chris Hemsworth and Tem Tessa Thompson. How much of this happened because people be saw Thor Ragnarok? Because I would, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's bad because all movies should have more Tessa Thompson and uh, Chris Hemsworth together. What happened here? What do you think happened? We got our asses kicked. Sorry. Wait, are you a queen? Hmm? Indeed she is. I pledge loyalty eternal to you. No, 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 I'm not interested. Too late. I already pledged the loyalty. I wish you'd said no, no, no. Also, before. great blow up this year for uh, Kumail Nanjani, just getting more and more stuff. They can take the form of anyone. I haven't seen that before. Oh. Even our own agents. Do we have a plan? You know, sometimes you have to trust your gut. Men in Black has been compromised. Trust no one. Do we protect the Earth? And that means everyone and everything on it. Yeah, baby! We are the Men in Black. The men and women in black. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly done. <laughs> uh, Are you suggesting that we try the most powerful weapon in the galaxy for fun? Do it. Press the button. Mm. Turn it up a few. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this looks like fun. I'm very interested to see how this turns out. Because if this new spinoff works, then... We can just have new Men in Black movies without Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones and that whole thing and just have introduce these new, cool, interesting agents. So maybe, hey, have a, have a live action TV show. It could work. Uh, next up, we've got uh, my next retrospective, which will solely be on um, Stardust because I, I learned my lesson last time. Uh, we're going to... It's going to be the latest entry in the Shaft franchise because each one has been as each of these things hasn't been a reboot. It's been a sequel. It's been canonically following the original '70s black exploitation movies. So let's take a look at the newest entry in the Shaft series. God, you can't get that. That is such an iconic theme. Hi, I'm. I'm just. I'm, I'm looking for Shaft. Mm-hmm. Who's asking? John Chef Jr., your son. son. Shouldn't he be a second or like the first, the eight first yeah. or the third? Also, I love the little bit where it's clear. You can clearly tell that the stripper or whatever has glitter on her on her um, on her chest. And then you look at you see uh, Samuel Jackson. He's got glitter all over his goatee and his face. I love that little bit. Just a nice fun. If you go pursue this investigation, I'm gonna have to babysit your ass. Oh, look at here. How long has it been? Mm, never long enough. Lady Syphilis, Madam Chlamydia. It's lovely to meet you both. That's Junior's mama. She'll love it. <laughs> I love Regina Hall. I love that she's getting more and more stuff. What is wrong with you? She picked up a bat. You can't beat up a woman. Why not? Because she's a woman. That's like misogynistic. You want being misogynistic. I ain't mentioned her gender. Okay. I'm an equal opportunity. <laughs> Damn. Oh, there's no non-violent people in Harlem? Nope. This summer. 
You okay? Yeah. Samuel Jackson, just the usher of Regina Hall and Richard Roundtree. Boy, back in the day, we didn't need guns. All we needed was our bare knuckle. Damn, Grandpa. Well, you can't be too prepared. Let me get mine. Damn, you back here having a knife fight? Oh, hell no, I shot it. <laughs> you damn right. What's up? See, I like that. I like little touches like that. Um, also, Tim Story, uh, the director of the old um, mid-aughts. Um, did he do both Fantastic Fours? I think he did. Let me see. Tim Story. Um, I think he, he, he had a big thing before then, like some indie movie uh, that led him to get the Fantastic Four. Uh, oh God, he did Taxi. Barbershop. That's what it, he did. He did Barbershop. He got big off of that. And then he got the Fantastic Four movies. Prince of Peoria. That's a title. Uh, Think Like a Man. The TV series. Okay. Um, director. That's all producer stuff. Um, he did the Kevin Hart uh, comedy uh, special, What Now? as um, Mainly the opening casino segment. Ride Along. The two Ride Along movies. So, I mean, he's been a bunch of stuff. A uh, big one was Barbershop, and then he followed that up with Taxi, and then the Fantastic Marvel movies, which are still the best, sadly. Um, not, that, not that he did anything wrong. I mean, he did what he could. White Famous. Oh, the, the Jay Farrow series. I knew I recognized it somewhere. Yeah, I, I need to check that out. Um, so he directed a couple episodes. He's apparently attached to the Monopoly movie, which is still happening, as well as... The live-action Tom and Jerry movie. Oh, dude. I know you gotta work, but... Oh, dude. Why? Anyway, we'll see what happens. I mean, that's something that's out of his hands. That has to come from the writers. Um, But yeah, uh, speaking of which, who wrote... Who's writing? Uh, Kenya Barris, who is best known for Girls Trip... Uh, writing on Blackish and Grownish, and something called The Game. A lot of black-centric uh, film and television. Um, Barbershop, the next cut. So he worked with Tim Story before. No, no, no. Tim Story only did the first ones. He produced, but he, pro I think he produced the Barbershop sequels. In fact, let me see. Uh, Barbershop sequels. Blah, 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 blah. No, but he produced First Sunday, though. Um... So he had nothing to do with the Barbershop sequels. Looks like he only directed the first one, and then it just completely got out of his hands. Um, I think that was produced by somebody else, though. Um, but there's that weird that, that weird Barbershop uh, connection between one of the, the writers and the director here. And then uh, Alex Barnow, who's best known for Mr. Sunshine, the, produ be, producing a lot of TV, Till Death, The Goldbergs, Rules of Engagement, Mr. Sunshine... Writing credits, same things. Goldberg's Mr. Sunshine, Rules of Engagement, Till Death, Out of Practice, Family Guy. So he's been a staff writer for TV. This will be his first feature-length film, it looks like. So, it'll be, we'll see. We'll see how this turns out. The writers, the writing staff looks solid enough. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. I, I'm interested to see this one. 
I'm interested. I'm more interested to go back and revisit the old Shaft movies, see how they compare too, because this is going to be an interesting uh, look at this franchise. And then lastly, the newest release this weekend is going to be The Dead Don't Die from Jim Jarmusch. Let's take a look. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something I, horrifying. I, I like that he um, makes those direct uh, references to um, Night of the Living Dead. Great music. I don't, I don't recognize it, but I, I love that riff. Hey, Danny Glover. Is it wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. <laughs> There's another reference to Night of the Living Dead. Gorgeous. Hi, Tilda Swinton. Are you in this together? From Jim Jarmusch. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Oh, man. This isn't going to end well. They gravitate towards things they did when they were alive. Coffee. Chardonnay. Chardonnay? Carol Kane, right? Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Chloe Savigny, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, Caleb Blanchard Jones, Rosie Perez, Iggy Pop, Sarah Driver, Riza, Selena Gomez, Carol Kane, and Tom Waits. I've been telling you this is all going to end badly. Well, that's unfortunate. I'm quite confident of my ability to defend myself against the undead. I can see that. Samurai, Scottish samurai, Tilda Swinton. A dead end. The dead don't die. Excuse me. Those are some pretty good cuts. You played some minor league ball, didn't you? Well, a, a little class A. It was a long time ago. Written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, Jim Jarmusch is one of those guys I don't see a lot of. I never saw a lot of stuff from, but who is constantly like this well-regarded director. Um, and to see one of his, I, I think he's always been indie. So the fact that we're seeing a very highly promoted new movie from him says a lot because like his biggest known stuffs are Broken Flowers, which was an indie movie starring Bill Murray, which is where that connection came from. Uh, Coffee and Cigarettes is probably his biggest release. And that was in 2003. And then Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, which was the um, samurai movie starring Forrest Whitaker set in New York. And uh, those are probably his biggest known movies. Like, not a lot of people see his stuff. And he doesn't make, and he doesn't, it usually takes some like three or so many years to um, make something new. And like his biggest stuff has always been like, uh, music videos. That's where he got to start. That's how he knows Tom Waits and Iggy Pop and all them. So yeah, uh, Only Lovers Left Alive he did uh, a couple years ago. That was probably his biggest thing recently. Um, which is where Tilda Swinton comes in. Tilda Swinton's in there. Tom, Tom Hiddleston, the late Anton Yelchin, Mia Wasikowska, Jeffrey Wright, John Hurt, the late John Hurt, Carter Logan. Uh... I forget what that one's about. Depressed musician reunites with his lover, though their romance through their romance, which has already endured several centuries, it's disrupted by uh, although their romance, which has already endured several centuries, is disrupted by the arrival of their uncontrollable of her uncontrollable younger sister. 
So, um, yeah, I'm interested. I'm definitely interested to see this one play out because uh, it's it's Jim Jarmusch is the right kind of interesting, weird director. So we'll see what it look what he does with zombies, especially since he very clearly understands um, the references to all the old zombie movies, uh, you know, the classics, as it were. So that about does it for this week's episode, which means it is time for the plugs. If you are listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us through our homepage at GumbyKitNetworks.com. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, you can do so by favoriting us on your web browser and whitelisting us on your ad blocker. Be sure to check out all of our other fine programming. You've got all of Donna's stuff through the Snarkast, uh, The Family Business, Once More with Feeling, uh, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, and... You've also got my podcast, my other podcast currently, Living in the Stacks, which is a monthly book club podcast. Uh, this upcoming episode uh, is going to be on Saturday, hopefully Saturday or Sunday. Uh, it's going to be about Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, our first ever autobiography or memoir. Oh, we've mostly done fiction up to this point, so this is our first foray into nonfiction. Uh, I'm, you know, stay tuned for another new podcast, hopefully in the pipeline. Uh, we have to get all the, you know, technical stuff and everything ready for it first. Uh, but yeah, and if you yourself are a podcaster and you want to join our lovely little network and help us grow, you can do send all your inquiries to GumbyCatNetworks at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. Uh, if you're listening to us on the go, you can find us on your, all your various podcasting providers. We, uh, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, all those all those things, and we're hoping to expand more. If we're not on your uh, current podcast provider, let us know, and we'll try to expand there as well. Um, and uh, while you're listening, uh, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Let people know that you like the show and that they should check it out as well. Um, you can also share us on your various social media. Uh, our social media home is facebook.com slash popcornjunkie. That's where all the major announcements are going to be. Uh, you can also find... Uh, us on Twitter at Corn Junkie Pa. That's where all. That's where I'm most active. Is on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram at Popcorn Junkie Podcast. I'm less active there, though. I do share when I'm seeing new movies in theaters, and you can also, um, you know, if you want, like I mentioned uh, during this episode, if you wanted to send feedback, what did you think of Secret Life of Pets Two, Dark Phoenix? You know, your thoughts on, you know, what I'm going through. Have you gone through something similar with your own creative outlets? What, you know, do you still, ha- do you have some of those same sort of existential worries? Anything like that? <laughs> do you also suffer from, ex- you know, are you also suffering an existential crisis? Send send your feedback to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, no, I would love to hear back from you, the audience. I would love to include an audience feedback segment in this show, so... Send all that to Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want me to read it out on the show, give me explicit permission in either the message or the subject. Otherwise, I'll simply paraphrase. That does it for this week's episode. Until next time, I'm John Bailey. And I'm hopefully, hope, hopefully this burnout stuff still leaves me with enough energy to keep going forward. Only time will tell. The theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork.
If you're listening to this week's podcast, you're most likely. <laughs> 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 <laughs>